U.S. veterans deserve access to quality health care. Yet delivering that treatment proves challenging across our nation's most rural communities. I'm David Himmel. Join me on November 20th for a special branded episode of Pulse Check from our sponsor, Philips. We'll explore the telehealth technologies that are closing the distance gap between rural vets and their clinicians, technologies that could one day be leveraged by all U.S. healthcare consumers, no matter where they live. Um, well, I, I have uh, arthritis in all of my joints. Uh, I've had my ACL, MCL reconstructed. My meniscus is completely gone. Um, in my right knee, it's basically bone-on-bone rubbing. Um, I, they've reconstructed both of my ankles, relocated my big toes, um, shifted over my heel bone multiple times, um, severed ligaments, rerouted ligaments in my ankles. So on a daily basis, uh, the, the pain level is, um, is outrageous. I, I don't show that. Hello, Pulse Check listeners. I'm Dan Diamond. We began a new series on Veterans Day, publishing This Week and Next on the Future of the Veterans Administration, a place that's been plagued by scandal and upheaval and is undergoing rapid reforms at a time when powerful voices are calling for it to be privatized. Helping me tell this story is my colleague Arthur Allen. Hello. Who's covered the VA for the past three years. And Art, how long has the VA been around providing care for vets? So when people return from fighting or from military service of any kind, in this country, there's a political consensus that they deserve certain benefits, and that's changed over time. The first benefit for veterans was created under Abraham Lincoln. Um, And since then, you know, it's changed in all kinds of ways. But the VA provides health care to people who who had suffered any kind of injury during the war, Um, And it also provides other benefits. So for this series, we've spoken to a longtime VA social worker and the former secretary of the VA, David Shulkin. Art, who are we talking with today? So we're talking to J.R. Wilson. Do you go by J.R. or Gerald? I go by J.R., please. Gerald is so, you know, formal. It's my dad. (laughs) He's on 100% disability. On one of my jumps, my legs bent backwards the wrong direction. And um, and that kind of uh, ended my airborne career. <laughs> um, he's had problems with his knees, his back, his feet, pretty much every part of his body r- related to locomotion, um, 17 surgeries in all. He joined the U.S. Army at age 18 to sort of help straighten him out. He'd been homeless earlier in his life. Um, well, I made I made bad choices in my my early life. Um, uh-huh. Found myself living on the street, um, under highway overpasses. Um, sometimes my friends would let me sleep in their car. Um, sometimes their their backyard until their parents found out that I was sleeping in their backyard. Um, um, but the whole time, I, I I had a job. I was a bagger at a grocery store. <laughs> You know, so I wasn't I wasn't making a, a lot of money. I I got to a point when I was 18 years old um, that I I knew that I had to make a change in my life. I decided that I was going to go in the military, and I went to the dentist. I had them take off my braces. I went to our city library, checked out the practice ASVAB or the ASVAB for dummies, um, and the ASVAB is to test. Um, that the military gives you to to place you and what job you would have and stuff like that. 
Um, and, and you see, I, I didn't really go to school. They counted how many days I would show up in high school. Um, so I, uh-huh. it wasn't going to be college was not an option for me, uh-huh. um, but I took, I practiced that ASVAB. And, and when I went down to take the real test, I scored so high that I got military intelligence. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, right? Oh, it's just crazy. A rebirth kind of. A yeah. rebirth. A re- uh, but it's, new identity. I mean, and, and, you know, and it kind of, that's kind of how I took it too. Despite the controversy that seems to permanently swirl around the VA, recent polls show that most veterans are pretty happy with their care. JR is one of those veterans. He gets his treatment at the VA, all of it. And he also counsels other veterans to help them secure benefits, including health and other matters that Abe Lincoln talked about. I am the president of Delta Veterans Group, and I am the past state commander for the Disabled American Veterans. And with the Delta Veterans Group, what I do normally throughout the day is I work with the homeless, homeless veterans community um, by doing a what we call a stand down and working with the different um, communities to get them into housing, housing, education, mm-hmm. health, and employment. Could you describe what a stand down is to us civilians? <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, Stand downs is a term, it's a military term used when we take um, uh, military personnel that are in combat zones and we take them back to the rear to a safe zone uh, for them to stand down. And that's where they get their haircuts, their showers, they read their mail. They're in a safe environment, right? So in the mid 80s, the Vietnam veterans of San Diego started a program to bring in homeless Vietnam veterans for four days into a central area where they bring in big, large tents and they they house them, but they give them haircuts, full medical, dental. Uh, We have court services, so we bring in Supreme Court judges. So they get a lot of their legal issues squared away. They get that smile back when they go to dental. They get uh, dentures and stuff like that. And we make them feel like they're part of a community again. You know, oftentimes people go to war, Johnny and Susie, and they come back as John and Sue because they have a new normal, right? And and that family says, I know how to make them normal again. We'll, buy, we'll make them Susie or Johnny again. Well, that's, that's the family has to adapt to the new normal. So oftentimes they turn to the street. Uh, maybe they turn uh-huh. to uh, self-medication. Oftentimes they also go to unconditional love by a pet, uh, a, an animal. Shelters don't let the animals go into the, the, to the shelters. Um, so a stand down, we let them bring their animals. Um, we have bands. We make them really feel like they're part of the community again. So then they start getting those services that they need. They serve their country. Now we want to give them a foundation to be able to serve their community. Can you tell a little bit more about the the jump that that um, where you got injured? Where where was that? And it was just a kind of routine training jump, or. It, it, it was a training jump. Uh, Fort Bragg is home of the Airborne. So most of our Airborne units in the military are stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And to be uh, Airborne qualified, you have to make a certain amount of jumps um, every month and stuff like that. So oftentimes we would uh, look for other units to get a jump and we would call those fun jumps. So mine was actually on a fun jump. 
Oh. Who, meaning that I didn't really have to jump. I just wanted to jump. Uh, it was a nice, uh-huh. beautiful, beautiful, calm day. Um, uh, the, the, it was hot. Uh, when it's hot, those uh, those thermals kind of keep you up in the air a little bit longer. Um, so it was going to be a fun, fun day to jump. Everything was fine until I was about 250 feet off of the ground. And I noticed that one of the safety vehicles was going to be in my path to land. So I kind of turned against the wind to change direction and to slow me down. But what started happening is as I was coming in backwards and I was coming in fast. So Ooh. I tried to correct that, but when I corrected, I, I didn't I was still coming in backwards. So when I landed, my leg my feet hit and my leg actually bent the wrong direction. Right? So I kind of kicked myself in the forehead. Um, not not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun, um, but you're yeah. so amped up. So I packed up my parachute and uh, went off the drop zone and noticed that my leg was very, uh, it was swollen a lot. Um, and then I went to the emergency room. They took some x-rays, some x-rays, right? No broken bones. So they said, well, just um, go home and uh, put some ice on it for swelling. Uh, no running for five days. Uh, and they did that for a year and a half before they figured out that I had a torn ACL and a torn MCL. Wow. Right. 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 Not a lot of fun <sighs> being in the military um, when they're starting to look at you kind of like, you know, what's your problem? You've had x-rays. Well, x-rays don't really show that kind of damage. This is 1993. I'm sure that it's improved since then. Um, so I, I could not be, I could not jump anymore once they figured that out. Um, and that's the reason why I went to, uh, I was then transferred to, uh, the 102nd MI battalion, which is part of the second infantry division in South Korea. And so then you served out your term and, and then you, you were saying you joined the post office afterwards. I did. I, I actually got married, um, when I was in South Korea to an American girl um, she was also in the military, and so she had another year, and she was stationed, got stationed at the Pentagon. So I, when I got out of the service, I, I we kind of waited for her to get out of Korea, and we moved to Alexandria, Virginia, in which I tried to get a government job. And one of those government jobs that made it very easy for you to get was the being a letter carrier. Um, I actually scored second highest in the uh, Northern Virginia area. So I got to pick my own post office that I wanted to work at. <laughs> so, so I picked the post office nice. two blocks away from my house. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but being a post office, you, you, being a letter carrier with bad legs, that kind of um, doesn't really go well. Tell me, when was the first time you started using um, the VA? And was it... Uh, medical or were you going in for other other benefits initially and then started getting medical care there or how did that work? Yeah, it's uh, purely medical. Um, uh, with, mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the airborne jump, I had a lot of issues, um, not only with my, my right leg where the knee bent backwards, um, but for that year and a half at Fort Bragg, I was, had an altered gait that was crazy. Um, because I uh-huh. favored my left knee so much um, that arthritis started developing in my left knee. Um, and then my low back started to shift over. 
Um, so it was for orthopedic care um, that I first started receiving VA healthcare. And that was really right after I got hired with the DAV um, because I really had no idea when I got out how to even utilize the VA um, medical centers or how to apply for benefits um, or anything. They, they don't give you a packet when you got out of the military and say, here, here you go. Look, whether or not you're a 73-year-old Vietnam veteran or you're a 32-year-old veteran of, of Afghanistan, you have a lot in common, right? You've both sacrificed a great deal for your country. Both these veterans, probably their families have carried a big burden. And when it comes to healthcare, you've got two things going against you. You have the tyranny of time and you have the tyranny of distance. One-third of the nearly 9 million veterans who receive health care from the VA live in remote rural areas across the country. I'm David Himmel. Join me and two healthcare experts on November 20th for a special branded episode of Pulse Check from our sponsor, Philips. We'll explore how telehealth is breaking down the barriers to health care for America's heroes. You know, how would you characterize the care that you've gotten at the VA? I mean, um... What's good about it? What hasn't been good about it? There, 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 is pro, there is pros and cons, but I, I can tell you my overall feeling is that it's, um, it's one of the kind. It's, it's top-notch. There, um, there's a lot of VA medical centers around the country, outpatient clinics, clinics. So I, 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 I've had very good service. However... However, since I've been at many v- different VA locations, I've seen the difference in care from different locations, um, which, you know, if you have one VA, I remember the days if I, if I had sleep apnea and I, my primary care was here in the Bay Area and I went to vacation in Orlando and, the, and if my CPAP machine got broke in, in transit, it would take two mm-hmm. two days before the VA in Orlando would be able to verify who I am and and that I have a CPAP machine, right? Mm-hmm. So now now that's gotten a lot better. Um, I like the idea of accessing private doctors. However, that's with a caveat. Um, that, that comes with a caveat. So if I go out to the civilian world, and, and I'm kind of touching a little bit about the the Mission Act. Um, I want those doctors to also be certified in on how to handle a veteran. The VA for mental health, for example, is fantastic, right? They, mm-hmm. Those doctors know about PTSD, uh, veterans with uh, prosthetics and stuff. There's no care better. Um, but if you're in a rural area or if you have maybe you have a mental health here, we have a, a hill that we call Willow Pass, and for some reason, that's a mental barrier for some veterans here to go to the VA outpatient clinic in Martinez. So to have access into the private sector is great. However, we want those doctors to be able to be certified by the VA and then be able to have that integration, that continuum of care um, as well. So if I go out, that's part of the reason why I haven't utilized that system is because I don't trust that system that it's set up to be able to do that. So, so you wouldn't want it to this mission act and the movement of some care to the community to wreck 
the VA because the VA does things that nobody else can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but with a caveat, because we lo- we like the idea, at least I like the idea of of being able to go out into the private sector. But there has to be has to be regulated and there has to be certification. There has to be able to be able to have those records um, electronically transferred with no delay. Um, and I just I don't trust that system. Um, I don't I don't think it's quite funded um, yet. Uh, but if it does, and, and I know other organizations, I, I think that's their concern as well. Um, if we're going to do that, and that's great, but then we have to do it in the right way um, that we're not just getting any kind of vendor that wants to say, hey, I'll see that veteran. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they get paid, but that quality of care gets dropped off. Um, Do you get that. any care at all now in your life outside of the VA? I mean, healthcare. I do not. I do not. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I only well, utilize. You get it the, all there. Yeah. Is it timely? Do you have problems with, uh, you know, getting seen on time? Getting the problems that you have dealt with. It is getting better. It is getting better. It's getting a lot better. I think they've put together a lot of systems um, that kind of uh, cumbersome, though. But if you can navigate that, uh, for example, I, I, I can call my doctor, right? Um, and then she might be able to call me if it's uh, something I don't need to go in for. Um, I know that uh-huh. now, I know that now they have the urgent care um, that I can go into urgent cares around the community. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I. So you I, say I, it was cumbersome. What what was cumbersome? Or and it sounds like it's getting a little less cumbersome. But what what kind of cumbersome issues of cumbersomeness? Well, I mean, well, they they, <laughs> yeah. they well they what they they did is they sent out and said, hey, everybody can go out to the private sector and and here's your choice card, right? But there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that you have to do in reporting of that, um, your care to get them paid timely and different things like that. Um, if that veteran has, uh, I, I have a mental health issue. So there's times mm-hmm. that I'm like, you know, if I have to go look for the, on the VA's website uh, for keywords to try to find where the page is to get the number, um, then right. I don't do that. Um, or mm-hmm. if uh, when I first started with the VA, I would get appointments. I would get an appointment card saying, "Hey, you have an appointment on this day." Now, now what they do, because so many people were missing their appointments or getting booked up, um, you now have to call the VA to make an appointment. Which I understand that's kind of a everybody has to do that to make an appointment. But if if you're a veteran with mental health, and you know, I I know when I call the VA to make that appointment, I'm going to be on hold for 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and so I just don't mm-hmm. want to do it. You know, so there's barriers that are put in there um, that I I feel that could be avoided um, from that. Did you notice any changes, um, you know, under different administrations? Like, I mean, just to be in recent years under Obama, under Trump. Sure. You know, I think quality going up or down or whatever. Well, I'll put it this way. I think every administration tries to put veterans first. Um, and every administration tries to tweak things in different ways. So um, instead of just concentrating on negative, I, I would concentrate more on a positive and say that everybody has contributed to to some parts of that. Uh, some of the, for example, with the Obama administration, with presumption of, of hearing loss, 
um, and mm-hmm. different things like that. So um, I, I like the direction that it's going. We have a very uh, honorable country, and serving our country is still honorable, and I think people still want to take care of our veterans in the best way that they can do it. I think it's just a matter of how we administer that health care moving forward um, with the private sector and an integration and continuum of care and being able to have those records. You know, a lot of times medical records are used in the VA, in the veterans VA claim for compensation um, and stuff. So if they're seeing a private doctor, we want to be mm-hmm. able to have readable access to those records, um, the same as a VA doctor would have access or the VA regional office would have access to VA medical records. We want the VA regional office to have access to those private medical records um, as well so they can adjudicate that VA claim, that veteran's claim. Yeah, that's a really interesting, important part point because there, I know that's a bit, I've been writing a lot about the electronic health records, you know, this new mm-hmm. system they're putting in and they're making great promises about it, you know, being uh, – the word they use is interoperable about the records flowing back and forth between the VA and the private sector, but it doesn't work that well in the private sector alone. So um, exactly, it's not going to be easy. Right. Right. And that's where the advantage of the VA. And that's part of the reason why I like the VA medical part is because, uh, you know, they have been uh, designed to help veterans. The private sector has not been. So, I, I, I like the way we're moving. I just like I, I, we would want it to be better integrated. And it, it, you're exactly right. It, it's those medical records and the um, ability to be able to review those. Um, how much do you and your friends talk about, like, the VA care you're getting? And I mean, do you have friends um, and people you've met through your work who have a diverse array of medical needs with the VA? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. From from social workers, to, you got to remember, too, the VA Medical Center has social workers, too, that they deal with uh, with HUD and, and trying to get uh, veterans into housing um, and different things like that. Um, certainly, I would probably say, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was a lot of complaints. I think in 2008, with all the media that was out there about um, appointment times and stuff like that, that, I think that was real across the country. Um, mm-hmm. Here, here, I think they've been pretty good about, um, about appointment times. Um, we're kind of lucky with the Northern um, California VA healthcare system because we have um, UCSF as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get mm-hmm. to fill in a lot of those spots. Um, I have utilized UCSF through the VA, uh, through their urology department. Uh, me and my wife just had a, a, a baby boy. He's two years old. Um, Oh, congratulations. Um, but, uh, right, absolutely. But uh, we did have to go through your urology and uh, to make that uh, 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 happening. And my VA primary care doctor didn't hesitate to say no, you know, no problem at all. We will absolutely um, make that a, a reality. So the, the, access, the, the access to private care is, from your view, it's more of an issue for the vets, the veterans who are living in rural areas. Sure, but but again, if you remember when we first started out, I, I told you about Willow Pass. So veterans that have mental health issues, they have obstacles that may not just be dense, di- distance. There may be a bridge. Mm-hmm. 
that maybe they don't want to go across that bridge. Uh, maybe mm, there's an mm-hmm. underpass. Maybe there's an overpass. So the option is is great uh, to be able to do that. But I don't want to. I don't want to send my friend who's a veteran to some quack doctor that I don't know if they're certified. How do they? You know, do they know the difference between veterans' care and and a regular person care? There's um, there's a little bit of a difference there, especially with trust trust issues and and yeah. stuff like that. So I know you're a you're a hundred percent disabled veteran. Is that? Your I am. classification I am. for the VA. I'm I'm service connected for orthopedic conditions, and then I'm service connected for a, a mental health issue due to those other conditions. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I'm on what they call individual unemployability, um, which means that I no longer can work in a work environment, and uh, so I kind of like that because it allows me to volunteer in my community where I'm not in a cubicle, I don't have deadlines, I don't have all of that st- stress um, upon, upon me. Um, but it also opens up other medical benefits for me as well. Um, I get uh, dental and I get vision and, and other stuff like that. So you can you talk a little bit about your, your physical injury? You've had a lot of surgeries and so on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I have uh, arthritis in all of my joints. Uh, I've had my ACL, MCL reconstructed. My meniscus is completely gone. Um, in my right knee, it's basically bone-on-bone rubbing. Um, I, they've reconstructed both of my ankles, relocated my big toes, um, shifted over my heel bone multiple times, um, severed ligaments, rerouted ligaments in my ankles, so on a daily basis, uh, the the pain level is um, is outrageous. I I don't show that um, until I get home at night, and <laughs> I feel like an old man at that time. But um, it's just a, a day of 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 pain. I'm I have a young child, so to get down and play with my two year old, or to go out and play. Uh, baseball with my 11 year old son those are just things I don't get to I don't you know they don't get to have that experience with uh, with daddy Um, so we just kind of change our lives a little bit and we do different things Um, so that's uh, I like to you know know what helps me get over it I'll be honest with you is serving other people and and that's the reason why I do a lot of volunteer work um, is because it really gets my mind off of me were you out for the Veterans Day? Did you have a parade? Was it in Antioch or? Absolutely, absolutely. Shoot, let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> tell me about it. I'm the MC for the Veterans Day celebrations um, with Delta Veterans Group. We started a nice banner program, memorial veterans banner program that goes down L Street that leads into a memorial. 10 blocks long. Um, We get to recognize our veterans community, those veterans that have passed away. Um, We work with the city to get the Veterans Memorial. Uh, I don't want to go into a long story to you, but Google Veterans Memorial Bathrooms Antioch, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So we, we, (laughs) all right. So we, I worked with the city council to be able to turn a negative into a positive. um, And now the Veterans Memorial looks absolutely wonderful. Um, but that was a community effort. 
I don't normally like to say I because it's really we. So um, we have a great veterans community that when we need to come together, um, we have the ability to be able to pull them together and then get get kind of what we wanted to be able to do um, with that. We work very well with our local congressmen, um, Congressman Jerry McNerney and Congressman Mark Desaunier, our board of supervisor with the stand downs and stuff like that. They have um, completely... Uh, um, made a, a, a vast improvements um, on on that, and you know, just realizing that we do have a, a homeless veterans population in the county, um, and and that needs to be dealt with. Um, so I love it. We had the Concord Naval Weapons Station uh, out here for many many years. The East Contra Costa County was the affordable housing and stuff like that, homes and stuff. Um, so you have a lot of veterans like that that have uh, have lived here since the 50s. <laughs> Great. Yeah. My ma- my son is a sea cadet. Um, he's 11 years old, uh, Matthew Wilson. And whenever we do any of these kinds of events, I have him do the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Um, and that's to build his confidence and stuff. And he goes to Washington, D.C. with me. Um, I go every February and March uh, with the Disabled American Veterans on a national level um, and, and go speak with uh, our California congressmen and women. And I bring him along with that. And at the same time, we, we go on a little history lesson. So two years ago, we went to Yorktown, Jamestown, Williamsburg, Baltimore, Philadelphia, did all that. Do you so, so you you go to Washington on these um, the uh, visit weeks or whatever they're, they're yes. called? And um, so, are you kind of concerned about what's going on in Washington vis-a-vis the VA, or uh, how do you feel about it? And and what do you think of these the current crop of presidential candidates and give any opinions <laughs> well, of, opinions about Shulkin I, I, versus I, I, I won't, I won't, the new I guy? Re- I, I won't reveal my political affiliation. <laughs> sure. On your show. But I, I will no tell problem. you that what I do is I, I limit uh, I limit all that to um, to veterans issues. And and we try to work with both sides on um, getting them to sponsor bills and then co-sponsor bills. I think that uh, legislatively, I think we have a long way to go for our, our women veterans. Um, and I, I mm-hmm. kind of think that's somewhat to be expected just because the VA and the military has been designed for men for, you know, a long time. Right. But if you're if we're actually being honest with ourselves, uh, women have been in the military, you know, even in this, the Revolutionary War. Right. With nursing right. and the Civil War. And, um, you know, now a lot of women are in combat roles or our mothers, our sisters, our nieces, our aunts. Um, we really, really need to step up and get a lot of legislation going um, for our women veterans. They've started doing that. I, I think a, a big chunk of veterans legislation is women's, um, but it has to be because we have a lot to make up. Um, for those, you know, just imagine, um, you know, just six years ago, just imagine being a woman veteran uh, and then going to the VA, being put in a room with no, no divider. So when the door opens, right, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right, there's no privacy, right. But as men, we didn't, we didn't care about that. We sat in a chair. It wasn't a big issue. So just that. And then, and then also imagine being a woman and have to walk from the big, front doors of the VA all the way to the back of the hospital to get to, to where your women's health clinic is. 
So you have to walk uh-huh. through uh, right. you know halls and halls of men. Um, so I, I that's I think that's uh, a lot of what um, as a veterans community and, and veteran service organizations, uh, that's what we would like to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think pe- people need to realize that it is the largest um, healthcare system in the United States. Is the VA healthcare system? I think it's roughly 80% of internships go through medical facilities because they're everywhere. VA medical facilities because they're everywhere. Um, I, so I, I, I don't think we need to bash the VA, but I do think that we need to integrate them into our communities. I think that is so important, that, that integration and getting that right and getting it right um, because it's going to be very easy for them to mess that up. And, um, and if, if, if we as a country can come together and take care of our veterans and give them that access out there, but at the same time, uh, making sure that those records and our um, anonymity are, are secure and everything is good to go, um, I think we're, we're good. We still live in the, one, the most wonderfulest country in the world, right? The greatest country in the world. Um, and men and women still serve very honorably. And we as uh, a society need to do the honorable thing and be able to take care of them um, with top-notch care. Great. Listen, thank you so much. That was uh, really great. You, you were wonderful. And, um, thank you. you know, I wish I was out in the Delta with you. Uh, <laughs> it's cool. I'll like take you out, out there, on the boat. But, uh, I'll take okay. you out on the boat. All right. Next. We'll have fun. Yeah. A lot of good fishing, let me tell you. It's wonderful. I bet. I bet. Great. Thanks, Jared. Okay. Take care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Arthur Allen for guiding that conversation and this series. On Monday, we'll have the last episode in the miniseries, a conversation between Arthur and Senator John Tester, the ranking member of the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. My producer this week is Annie Reese. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can do us a favor and leave a review. It helps new listeners find the show. Thanks, and be back with you on Monday.